when we were looking at this passage, we're in first Samuel, uh, chapter 23. Uh, we, we, we were looking at this idea of having a game plan. Let's see if I click it here. Maybe it'll come in a game plan for adversity. We know we've been, we've been talking about David for the last couple months and it seems like there's a lot of adversity in his life that every time he turns around, Saul's coming after him and, and, uh, it, it, things just aren't going real smoothly. Uh, and we, I, as we were looking at this passage this week, we were talking about that we all go through adversity. A lot of us are going through adversity right now, and that adversity can vary. Uh, sometimes it's a little annoyance, and sometimes it's so bad that it just is crippling, and we can't really focus on anything else but that. But we all go through adversity in our lives. Our character can be attacked. Gossip can, can ruin people's lives, can, can really beat people down, can give you a lot of adversity. Reality sometimes is no longer important. If something's been made up about you, whether in your workplace or in your family or in your community, that kind of hurtful word can really destroy the reality of who you are. Malicious slander, that can be a real thing in our lives. Uh, Our livelihoods can be challenged uh, through this adversity that's coming outside of you. So whether it's your work, your own business, uh, maybe it's a coworker is coming after you. Uh, and, and, and sometimes it just seems like no one is interested in the truth anymore. Uh, our relationships can be attacked. So there's adversity in relationships. Sometimes that's in, in the tightest group that's supposed to be your family. Sometimes there can be adversity in your family, in your friend groups, uh, I don't know if you've ever hung out with friend groups where there's multiple people in that group and all of a sudden there's something said or something done and there's adversity between you and one of your friends in your neighborhood, in your relationship uh, with people because of your relationship with Jesus. Uh, so we know that adversity can happen and sometimes it's against us. Sometimes it's against uh, our livelihood. Sometimes it's against, um, what we do. And, and sometimes it's against us as people, as humans, uh, there can be adversity in life, whether it's a health, uh, you know, thing or something like that. So there's a lot of adversity, adversity in life. And when this happens, you and I, we need to try to lead because we're looking at lessons on leadership. We need to try to lead with a Christ-like attitude. And that's what we've been looking at is the character of David and, and how he's giving us so many positive examples of how to lead uh, like God would want you to lead. And, and so when we lead that way, we're going to do things, we're going to own things that weren't even necessarily of us or our fault. We're going to apologize for things that maybe we didn't have anything to do with. We're going to try to lead through being a godly example. We can try to learn. We can try to grow through those things uh, as we go through them. That way we don't go through a really tough time only to go through another tough time and, and, and act the same. So hopefully we're learning from those things and we can speak the truths that we know of God's word into our lives, into those situations, uh, into deceptive conversations, whatever it might be, we can go after the truth of God. And so 
Sometimes nothing we do, though, brings progress. And if you're in a situation where the adversity seems to just be overwhelming, no matter what we do, you're facing attack after attack. Uh, sometimes we're there and we just say, now what should I do or what can I do? And that's what we're going to see in chapter 23 today. David is going to model a game plan for walking through adversity. And I'm going to tell you the three points we're going to make, and then we're going to go through the chapter pretty quick, highlighting those things, and then we'll end by recapping them. But the first thing we're going to see that David does, so if you're taking notes, we see that David inquires of the Lord. He seeks the Lord. The second thing we're going to see, and probably where I'm going to camp the most today, is that we're going to see uh, godly encouragement come into David's life. And I think as believers, we need to embrace godly encouragement. And then we need to finally, the third thing I see there is we need to rest in God's uh, providence. We know the truths of scripture. We know how it's all going to end. And we need to rest in those truths. And again, excuse me, again, we'll see that Saul, on the other hand, doesn't follow this game plan at all. So we're going to see the good, we're going to see the bad in this chapter. But let's focus in on what David does here in chapter 23. Now David, or now they told David, behold, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord again, and the Lord answered him, arise, go down to Keilah, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. So when we're looking at this, we see the pesky Philistines. They're still here. They're still attacking Israel. And we see that uh, there's this town, there's this area uh, of Israel that is is um, being attacked during harvest season. So this is a vulnerable time. Uh, it's a time of potentially great loss. Uh, and so they've been gathering up their goods and all of a sudden the Philistines are attacking and they're killing people and they're stealing all of their goods. And David sees the people and his heart breaks for them. And he's like, hey, let's go. Let's go and defend these people um, and, and, and I'm going to seek the Lord about that to make sure that it's his uh, plan and his wisdom, in his wisdom that we should go. And, and he does. He seeks the Lord and, and the Lord says, go ahead and go. He inquires. He asks God, shall I go and attack? He wants to help out, but he wants to also make sure that, that it's approved by God. And then we see here that after he hears from God, yes, go, that his men are still scared. They're already in harm's way. Saul is looking for them. This is a group of 600 men. So in comparison to the entire army that Saul has, that's why it says they were already uh, you know, afraid in Judah, let alone if they were to go out alone and go up against the armies of the Philistines. They were kind of a little bit nervous about what David was asking them to do. And they say, are you sure? 
And so again, instead of David arguing with them or saying, yes, let's go, or if you're with me, you would go with me, uh, he inquires of the Lord here a second time. He's seeking the Lord. He's asking of the Lord. In the Lord's response, we don't hear any judgment. Uh, we we, we uh, don't hear God being upset with David for inquiring a second time for the army being scared. In fact, God gives them even more confidence. He gives David more confidence in his response. As you look up there, it says, I will give the Philistines into your hands. How? He says that he will do the work, right? It'll be a miracle of of God. And, And again, I think that we see David asking the Lord, is this what I'm supposed to do? And and then at the end here, at the end of these verses, we see that they defeat the Philistines. They save this town, the people of Keilah, and and there's victory. And the people rejoice. And I'm sure it goes back to even when David killed Goliath. Remember the the response of the people was David kills his tens of thousands, right? Well, Saul had only killed his thousands. And just that idea that David was a hero. And we see here that even the hero David inquires of God. Now, inquiring of God, you and I, doesn't mean necessarily that it, it's going to guarantee a comfortable outcome. Okay? Just because it worked here for David and for his army, it, our responsibility is to inquire or ask of the Lord. Our responsibility when we're going through a tough situation is to communicate with God, to ask him to intervene, to ask him to direct But that doesn't mean that everything is going to be taken care of immediately, right? We have to know that some of those things, and again, that's the, 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 what we'll kind of look at at the end, the idea that we're going to have to rest and wait on the Lord and and know and have confidence in his providence. But he says, uh, again, we want to just highlight that David goes to God and, and asks, what do you want me to do? And I think that's a lot of times a step that you and I skip. I mean, when I, if I'm being honest, a lot of times I'll set out to do something. And, and it may be something good, but I don't pray about it. I don't inquire of the Lord. I, I just go out and do it. And then when, when I run into some adversity, when I run into a speed bump, uh, then I say, Lord, you know, why are you not helping me here? Or, or help me through this tough time or this part of this situation. And then I realize that sometimes I've set out on my own without going to God first. And, and I think that we can all benefit from that uh, in our lives, going to the Lord and inquiring of him. And so some of you might be sitting out there right now and saying, how do we hear from God? Well, keep that question in mind. And I think we'll answer it a little bit more as we go through these next few verses. Picking up in verse six, when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, had fled to David to Keilah, he had come down with an ephod in his hand. Now, it was told to Saul that David had come to Keilah, and Saul said, God has given him into my hand, for he had shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. And Saul summoned all the men to war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. David knew that Saul was plotting harm against him, and he said to Abiathar, the priest, bring the ephod here. So let's, let's uh, kind of 
pause for a second there, sandwiched between the, the idea of this priest that had escaped. If you remember back, Saul killed all the priests. This is the one who escaped. He had come to David and, and he had an ephod with him. Now, in contrast, Saul does not inquire of the Lord. He hears about David. David saving one of his towns from the Philistines. And he decides this is a good opportunity for me to go and kill David, right? Now, they tell David this. uh, And and again, we just continue to see this contrast between David and Saul. Saul not inquiring of the Lord and David inquiring of the Lord. So Saul is determining his own purposes, the purposes of his heart. In other words, he had a desire, a want to kill David so that Jonathan, his son could be king next, go against what God had laid out. And yet David again continues to seek the Lord. Now Saul's been walking away from God for a long time. Remember back in first Samuel 14, uh, we, 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 we started to see God pulling back from him and there was, there was not the communication that at one time he had had with him. So again, we see the ephod talked about at the beginning, the end, verse six, um, this, this priest that had fled uh, and escaped Saul, uh, was Abiathar and he has this ephod and he brings it, uh, to David. Now an ephod, it's, it's a garment worn by the priest. Uh, and if you had the old flannel graphs, or, or you remember Sunday school and had the flannel graphs, the, the priest would wear like a, a robe and then this ephod over it. And then on the ephod, uh, he would have the Urim and the Thummim, which was a way that they heard from God. Uh, it, it was stones. Uh, it was used kind of like the way that, that people use dice. Uh, but again, it was, it was the way that God had set out for people to communicate with him. So this was an important thing that he had that, that he was able to escape with that. And then of course that David was used, uh, using communication with God to find out what he should and should not do. Um, Abiathar is, is equipped and David asks for the ephod. He wants to hear from God. Uh, and yet we know that again, contrasting that Saul is plotting, uh, against David while David is praying about the situations. And so we, uh, we want to listen in here on how David inquires of the Lord. Then David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Keilah surrender me into his hands? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Then David said, will the men of Keilah surrender me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will surrender you. Then David and his men, who were about 600, arose and departed from Keilah, and they went wherever they could go. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Keilah, he gave up the expedition, and David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph, and Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him into his hands. David inquires of the Lord, will Saul come down? God says, yes, he will. 
Will the men of, of Keilah surrender me and my army after saving them? And God says, yeah, they will. And so we have this quite a turn of events here, right? David had just rescued this town from the Philistines and they're going to, they're going to turn him in. They're going to give him to Saul. And, and so this is kind of understandable even for the people of Keilah because they saw what happened to the priests in Nob. In other words, Saul is very unstable. And these people may have been afraid. And if Saul had come to them and asked for David and his men, the temptation for sure would have been to give them up to save themselves. And God confirms that in this communication. So David and his men, they flee, they flee the area. Saul's plan was interrupted. He wanted to kill David and kill his men. And he was seeking David for those reasons. And so again, adversity, we see this adversity Real life, deadly, right? We see this game of cat and mouse continue on with Saul and David. Now, the narrator calls attention to the first piece of David's game plan in facing adversary. Uh, excuse me, uh, adversity. It, he inquires of the Lord. And we see that all the way through these two sections that we've looked at. So, When I was finished up with that first section, I said, some of you may be saying, well, how can we hear from the Lord today? How can we inquire of the Lord? How do we get divine guidance in our lives? And those are valid questions. In the Old Testament narratives, as we're reading through like the book of first Samuel here, we see that God speaks to people. We see visual signs of God speaking to people. Uh, when you look through the first few books of the Bible, um, Genesis and Exodus, you see the, you know, the burning bush, you see fire by day and, and, uh, cloud or a cloud by day and fire by night. You see a star. We know that the prophets heard from God and they would interpret what God was saying and give these words to the people and remind them. As we continue into the New Testament, we can know and determine God's will through God's word, the Old Testament and the New Testament. In Romans 12, 2, it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is his good and acceptable and perfect will. And so in Romans, we're told that in James 1, 5, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. So again, our, our primary access point for inquiring of God or seeking the Lord is scripture. We have God's word. I hope every one of you has a a copy of a Bible. If you don't, we have extras on the grab a Bible table. Let that be a gift from us to you today. Take a copy of God's word. Now, all of us do on our phones. If you got a phone, there's some great apps on here where you're able to get God's word for free. uh, And we carry that around in our pocket all the time. But we need to be a people who seek the Lord through his word. And so if you're not reading God's word, how do you expect to hear from him? 
We need to be reading the Bible expecting to hear from the Lord. And when we hear from the Lord, we need to take what we're hearing, apply it to our lives, and move forward in that change. When we were looking this week at some statistics, there was a Gallup poll that said 65% of Americans agree that the Bible answers all or most of the basic questions in life. 65% of Americans, right, would still say, this is 18 and older, would say that the Bible answers all or most of the basic questions of life. But of those 65% that say that, that believe that, that would agree with that, only 28% of those people that agree would say that they rarely, or I mean, of those that agree with this, say they they rarely or never read God's word. So a third of them say that they don't even read God's word, or maybe they will once in a while, or they hear somebody else read it to them. So a third of people who say that the Bible has all the answers that we need to, to life, to godliness, don't spend any time in the word. And so as Brian and I were sitting there this week, there were a lot more statistics, but we didn't want to go overboard on, on, on all of those. One of the things that we had to talk about, he and I, while we were sitting there, is, is we had to be honest with ourselves. And there are weeks that when, when I'm working on a sermon, I'm in God's word and I'm, I'm reading a lot, commentaries and books and things like that. But outside of that, there are some times where I fail to get into God's word on a consistent basis. I fail to have the time in God's word asking to hear from God. So this is a problem that affects all people, right? So if a third of the people say that I know that the Bible is full of wisdom, God's wisdom, advice, answers to my problems say that they don't ever or rarely read it, then I know the other two-thirds uh, are, are people who are trying, but it's still a, 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 an issue for us. And so we all need to inquire of God, seek the Lord, and ask for wisdom. And, and the first part we see is God's word. The second part of our game plan, though, shows us another way where that we can receive uh, a word from God. And that is to embrace godly encouragement. So in our game plan for adversity, we need to embrace godly encouragement. Starting in verse 15, David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish, and Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horish and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, do not fear for the hand of Saul. My father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained at Horish and Jonathan went home. We're getting to peek inside this incredible brotherhood in these verses. And I think that the phrase that stuck out to me all week long, when I read this on Monday, it just jumped off the page and it was just in the forefront of my mind the entire week was this idea of being strengthened in the Lord, right? It says it's, he strengthened his hand in God. 
Jonathan and David, they are friends. They are tight. They are committed. Jonathan initiates this interaction here. Jonathan rose and went to David, right? And if you were looking at the two of them, you would say that David is probably the one closer to God. David has had more experience. David was maybe even uh, the more mature uh, of the two, even though he was younger. And, And yet we see here, Jonathan having an incredible presence in David's life. Jonathan reminds David of God's words. Okay, when we look up there, he doesn't encourage him and say, David, you're strong, you're going to be fine. You know, you, you, you'll escape my dad, you know, and, and give all this credit to David and who David is. He goes back to the truth of the spoken word that they had given to, to David when he said, when God said to him, you will be king over Israel. We've known this now for years. And Jonathan, the son of the king, who's trying to hunt him down, says, you will be king over all Israel. We see him make a covenant here before the Lord. This is significant. Again, he's strengthening the truths that David knows between them. He's reminding him of God's word and this covenant points towards that. Now, David, we see embraces this godly encouragement. And, and, and again, find strength in that. And you and I need to do that too. Here, Jonathan initiates godly encouragement. This is real. This is real for you and I today. We need to encourage one another, right? We need to encourage one another in our lives. We need to remind each other of God's words to us. We need to call each other to hold strong to the truths of God's words. We need to speak God's words to one another. So again, we need to be in our Bible so that we can give the truths of God's words to each other. We need to be with each other as we face those challenges, right? Because that's how Jonathan strengthened David in God by being there with him. Now, our primary strategy, when we, when we consider something like this, our primary strategy um, at TGW is community groups, right? We need, to, we need to strengthen each other throughout the week in community groups, right? We have an opportunity to dive deeper into God's word and, and to uh, take that time to encourage one another, It's not just a fun, helpful way to stay connected, even though it is that, uh, but we can encourage each other in the Lord at a community group. Now, the contrast is uh, still very evident here between David and Saul. Saul follows a different game plan, and that's what we're going to see in this next slide here. Then the Ziphites went up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, this is, this is not David hiding amongst us in the strongholds of the Horish on the hill of Hakala, which is south of Jeshimon. Now come down, O king, according to all your heart's desire, to come down 
And our part shall be to surrender him into the king's hand. And Saul said, may you be blessed by the Lord, for you have had compassion on me. Go make yet more sure, know and see the place where his foot is, and who has seen him there. For it is told me that he is very cunning. See therefore and take note of all the lurking places where he hides and come back to me with sure information. Then I will go with you and if he is in the land, I will search him out among all the thousands of Judah. And they arose and went to Ziph ahead of Saul. Now the Ziph here, the Ziphites, the Ziphs, uh, they're tattletalers, they're conspirators and they're going to appeal to Saul's desire to kill David. And then Saul says something that, that it, it's kind of hard to read. It's hard to believe. He says, may you be blessed in the Lord for you have com- had compassion on me. So Saul, who has struggled, who has seen the spirit of God be taken from him in ministry, which was the leadership of Israel here, tries to give this almost blessing from God. Go spy on David. Find where he's at. Let me know where he is. Find out his hiding places. Saul accuses David of being cunning, I think is what he says there. He says being cunning. And yet, Saul has been the one who's been cunning. This false attack on David's character, we see that here. And again, this game of cat and mouse continues on for Saul and David. Saul's demeanor presents as shrewd and manipulative and evil. It's, it's, it's his heart is being shown his warped character, his desire to hold on to what he has. And, and what we see here is really a departure from, from godliness, from his relationship with God. Saul is still in pursuit Now David, picking up here in 24b, now David and his men were in the wilderness of Mon in the uh, Arabah to the south of Jeshimon, and Saul and his men went to seek him. And David was told, so he went down to the rock and lived in the wilderness of Moan. And when David, or when Saul heard that, he pursued after David in the wilderness of Moan. Saul went to one side of the mountain and David and his men went to the other side of the mountain and David was hurrying to get away from Saul. So Saul is gaining ground. He's in pursuit of David and and it seems like they're not too far apart here. Saul and his men were closing in on David. David is on the run. He doesn't have an ace in the hole. He doesn't have uh, anything left. He is running from Saul. He's doing what he knows how to do though. We see him continue to inquire of the Lord and, and, and embrace godly encouragement. That's what's given him strength as he's moving forward. And now all he can do at the end here is follow God's guidance. God is leading him. He is listening. So here in the third part of our game plan for adversity, we see David resting in the Lord's providence. Wait, trust, be still, and rest. Providence is the protective care of God, right? And he promises that to us. It looks different in our lives, depending on situations, but God has providence in our lives. He is care for us. He will protect us. And we need to lean into that. And that's what we're seeing here from David. 
as Saul in verse 26 B here, as Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men to capture them, a messenger came to Saul saying, hurry and come for the Philistines have made a raid in the land. So Saul returned from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines. Therefore that place was called the rock of escape. And David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of Engedi. In the nick of time, we see the providence of God. We see God step in and he interrupts this pattern of evil that we see in Saul. And he brings relief to David. Saul hears of this attack. Now, again, Saul didn't go down uh, to Kiesh and help out. That was David and his men. But for some reason, this time... Again, God's hand of providence here. He, he's, God's working in a creative way. There's this Philistine attack against the Israelites. And he uses that to divert Saul away. Saul's compelled to respond. We know that it's a royal mandate back in 1 Samuel chapter 8 verse 20. That the king will go out before and fight the battles. But again, we didn't see that happen in Keilah. So here we see God's hand of providence moving Saul in that direction. David and his crew move east towards Engedi. It's an area where they're able to hide out. Uh, and, and we'll see as, as they're hiding God's providence and his hand of protection uh, and, and provision. There's a water source there and some stuff like that that we'll continue to see. All three aspects of the game plan uh, we see David follow. And yet we see the opposite from Saul. The third, uh, or the, the, the third one I would say is probably the most difficult for us to do. We, we, we have a tough time waiting on the Lord. We have a tough time believing that God is going to come through for us. Because God might not interrupt the adversity that we've come up against. We want him at a certain time when we pray, God step in and he doesn't always do that. And then a lot of times he'll step in in a different way. It's not how we expect it. God, we want you to come in and take care of this problem. And sometimes his desire is for us to go through that so that we can be changed to look more like Jesus. Remember from James, we're called to persevere and endure But that's so difficult, right? And I I can see how people wanting relief from whatever struggle they're going through can be frustrated with that. They'll ask questions that uh, question God's character and his goodness. How can a loving God not step in and make this better? But as Christians, we have to hold on to biblical truth. Again, getting back into God's word. So a couple of passages that we thought of this week that, that I hope will encourage you in that direction. Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29. Jesus says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There we don't see Jesus saying, I will take care of or take away anything that is causing adversity in your life. He doesn't say that. He says, come to me, and I will give you rest. Isaiah 40, 31, uh, Pastor Brian has this up on his wall, and it's got a picture of, a, of an eagle. And, and I read the verse to him this week as we were studying, and he's like, man, that's a great verse. 
for what we're talking about. But they who wait on the Lord, Isaiah says, shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Again, the powerful uh, protection of God is seen in Christians' lives, sometimes in the situations that seem the toughest. Even when he doesn't interrupt evil how we want, even though he doesn't come through and and take care of it, he might want us to go through it. He's promised to guide us. He's promised to comfort us. And he's promised to strengthen us. So I think David's plan, his game plan for adversity is good. I wish that, that we had a promise or a formula for relief from everything, but that's not what we have. David models a game plan for not only walking through adversity, but also walking in adversity. And I think for us, we need to know that we move, need to move forward in that. Do everything that we can in our lives to inquire of the Lord and follow his guidance, right? We need to embrace godly encouragement. And then we also need to be the source of godly encouragement for others. You have an opportunity to be the Jonathan to a David. So we need to be seeking the Lord to know when we should give that godly encouragement to others. And then we need to rest in God's providence. So wrapping things up, listen to the words of Psalm 54 of David. When the, when the Ziphites went and told Saul, is David not hiding amongst us? David penned this psalm. Oh God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. Oh God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me. Ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. But God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He will return the evil to my enemies. In your faithfulness, put an end to them. With a free will offering, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. Let's pray.